Testing, testing. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Bismillah. One, two, one, two, one, two, three. We're just having a small problem with the audio, just bear with us a second. This way as much as you can. Okay. All right, inshallah. So we just had some problems with the audio connection just there. Uh, we were having some difficulties that uh, we went live on the live stream, but the audio was not working. We couldn't get any audio sound, so we had to switch to a backup microphone. So I'm hoping and I'm looking at the stream right now, and it looks like everybody can hear me, inshallah. 
So I'm hoping that everyone who's watching the stream can hear me, inshallah, and we can continue on from where we started. So, Bismillah, Walhamdulillah, Wassalatu, Wassalam, Ala Rasulillah, Wa Ala Alihi Wa Sahbihi Wa So, we have a brand new topic today, which we have not done before, and that is the topic of Tafsir. Now, I'm just going to start very generally. What do you think Tafsir of the Quran means? What does it mean to you? And I wish, SubhanAllah, you know, inshallah, in the future we find a way to be able to actually ask the people who are watching at home. But at the moment, because of the rules of YouTube, YouTube actually doesn't allow me to, when there's kids on who are watching, it doesn't allow us to have a conversation. So I can't, I can see the, the thumbs up and stuff from people, but I can't see any, any feedback. So I'm having just to ask, there's only two kids here, <laughs> I have to ask them both. So what do you understand from the word tafsir when you talk about tafsir of the Quran? What do you understand? Go on. Okay, you understand translation. Okay, that's a start. Okay. Not quite, not quite what tafsir means. Can you translate the Quran really? What language is the Quran to start with? Arabic. Okay. What kind of Arabic? Saudi Arabic, right? No. Original Arabic, very nice. Classical Arabic, pure Arabic. Do you know an ayah in the Quran where Allah said the Quran was in pure Arabic? Both of you know the ayah. Inna anzalnahu. Quranan. Arabian la'allakum ta'qilun in surah Yusuf surah Yusuf inna anzalnahu qur'anan arabiyan la'allakum ta'qilun so we've sent it as an Arabic Quran pure Arabic very good so it can't really be translated what's a different word maybe for translate is not the right word but is tafsir, I've got books of tafsir on my, on my library over there, which are in Arabic. They're not, so tafsir is not about English. The, explaining the meaning, okay, good. So I think a nice way of explaining tafsir is understanding what Allah meant by his speech. That's a very nice, uh, it's a very nice way of explaining tafsir and that is explaining the meaning of what Allah said in the Quran now today we're obviously going to explain the meaning in English but tafsir doesn't have to be in English tafsir can be from Arabic to Arabic to explain and to sort of help you to understand what Allah meant and what Allah said in the Quran and the Quran is Allah's speech right Allah spoke the Quran I mean we have the Quran in written written down but in the first place Allah spoke the Quran and the angel Jibreel took the Quran to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu so it's what Allah said and we know that because Allah said if one of the polytheists 
one of the people who didn't, but they worship the idols and they didn't believe in Islam. If one of them asks you for safety, give them safety until they hear the speech of Allah. Until they hear what Allah said. Then, then take them back to their place of safety. So here Allah said that the Quran is Kalamullah. It's what Allah said, it's Allah's speech, Allah spoke it. And we have to understand what it is that the Quran is asking us. Why is it important to understand? Why don't we just recite it? Why don't we why do we ever need to know what Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, what the meaning of it is? Why is it important? Why can we not just recite? I can just learn. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Why do I need to actually understand it? Okay, but I know I'm saying something good. I know I don't know what I'm saying, but I know I'm saying something good because it's from the Quran. Why? Why do you need to? It contains information, okay. What am I supposed to do with that information? What's the point? So I can do it. The point of the Quran is to act upon the, the guidance from Allah. It's Allah's guidance, right? It's, it's what Allah gave us a special message so that we could know how to live our lives. So we have to be able to put it into practice. And we have to be able to do what Allah told us. And unless we understand the Quran, we can't do that. So briefly, I just want to talk about our relationship with the Quran. Like how do we, what are the things that we as Muslims have to do when it comes to the Quran? So one thing, I'm going to give you the first one, is to recite the Quran, right? We have to recite the Quran. We recite the Quran inside of our prayer. We recite the Quran outside of our prayer. And I would advise all of you, every single one of you watching at home, and I advise myself as well, to have a wirid of the Quran that you recite every day. What does that mean? A piece, a portion. A piece of the Quran that you recite every single day. Even if it's only small. Some of the scholars said you should try and read at least 20 pages every day. But let's just say that you, and most of the early generations, they used to recite around 60 pages every day. At least 60 pages every day 60 to 70 every day but most of the scholars say you should do at least 20 pages a day. but even if you just do two pages every day or five pages every day at least you will keep on finishing the Quran and a lot of you if you look at your moms and dads you see that maybe mom and dad don't finish the Quran all the time whereas we're supposed to be it's not just Ramadan we're supposed to be finishing the Quran all the time and I told you most of the people in the past they used to finish the Quran three times every month. That's not in Ramadan. That's normal. Like that was normal. Everybody. And the norm was you finish the Quran three times every month. That means 60 pages a day, right? Roughly. 60, 70 pages a day. You finish the Quran every month, three times, every month. And some people did more. They used to finish four times every month. And that was outside of Ramadan. In Ramadan, some of them used to finish every day. And some of them used to finish every three days. And some of them, it said they used to finish twice a day in Ramadan. Once in the morning, in the daytime, and once in the, in the nighttime. The whole Quran. Some of those things are said. But for us, what I just want you to start with is just having a wirt every day. Having a piece of the Quran 
that you read every single day, even if it's just one page, even if it's just a little bit. But if it's one page, then every two years you'll finish the whole Quran, right? If it's two pages every day, because the Quran is what about 600 pages roughly. So if it's one page, if it's one page uh, every day, it will take you just a little bit less than two years to finish the whole Quran. If it's half a page a day, longer. If it's two pages a day, you could finish the Quran in less than a year. Every single, just keep finishing again and again. So just have a piece of the Quran that you read every day. What else do you have to do with the Quran? Memorize. Memorize. And that's really important. And I would also advise you that when it comes to memorizing, that it's really important to have somebody who's your teacher who is helping you to memorize otherwise you memorize incorrectly and it wastes a lot of time we know we all had that all of us sitting here we've all experienced like that what what happens when you when you memorize the quran incorrectly and then you have to unlearn what you learned and you have to learn it again and when it comes to memorizing the quran you don't have to be fast it's not very much to finish the whole quran if you think about it it's only 600 pages if you even did, let's just say you want to finish the Quran in 10 years. Let's just say right now you are, how old? How old are you? Eight. You want to finish the Quran by the time you are 18. In 10 years. Okay? 10 years. So that's only 60 pages a year. Yeah? That's only something in the region of five pages a month. Okay, which is just a little bit more than a page a week. It's very little, and it's just a very small amount. So if we divide that over the week, we say roughly, give or take three lines a day. Say roughly three lines a day, and you're going to finish the Quran in less than 10 years. Three lines every day. That's it. So it just shows you how you can do just a little tiny bit Otherwise, you get to 40 years old and you're sitting there thinking, when am I going to finish memorizing the Quran? And to be honest, you only need three lines a day to finish it in 10 years. So it's not difficult to do. But you have to go regularly, you have to have a teacher. And I would recommend with your teacher, you first of all read what you're going to memorize from the Mus'haf. From the, the Mus'haf is what we call the copy of the Quran, right? The, the copy itself, we call it a Mus'haf. You read the Mus'haf to your teacher. You make sure you read it correctly, then you go away and memorize it, then you come back, you close the mushaf and you read it by heart. How many times do you think you have to read something before it sticks in your memory? hundred times, what do you think? Depends on the person, doesn't it? But definitely more than you think. A lot of people think just two or three times, but that doesn't really sit in your memory for good. For it to sit in your memory, to be honest, you have to like put it in your mind like 10, 15 times and then let it go. Like let a few hours go, go do something else and then come and put it in again. And you keep doing that throughout the day and by the end of the day, you've got it inshallah. But you do probably need to read it at least 30, 40, 50 times before it's going to settle in your memory, even if you've got a good memory. Whereas a lot of people, what they do is read it two, three times and just they sort of know it and then they read it and then they forget it. And that doesn't work. Okay, that's memorizing the Quran. What else do we have to do with the Quran? Apart from reading and memorizing. Apart from acting on it, we've spoken about acting on it, I'll speak about that at the end. What else? 
reciting. Okay, reciting, memorizing, we spoke about what else? Maraikum Sheikh. Sheikh now. What do you think? Do they not think about the Quran? Reflect on the Quran. So you're just listening to the Quran and you're just thinking, thinking about it. What does this mean for me? What is this ayah about? Why did Allah tell us this? Why is it important? How can I, you know, learn more about it and so on? And tafsir of the Quran, understanding the meaning of the Quran, and acting upon the Quran. And all of those last three, thinking about it, and understanding it, and acting on it, all of them, they need you to know what the words mean. Otherwise, you can't do any of those last three. You can recite, you can memorize without knowing what the words mean. But you can't think about it unless you know what the words mean. You can't understand what the meaning is and you can't put it into practice so for most of what you need for the quran you need to know what the words mean what about your prayers as well in your salah it's very difficult if you don't know what you, what things mean first of all you get bored standing the imams reading for a long time and you're thinking what is he you know i, I don't know what he's reading you switch off after a while you don't know what, what's being said and also when you're reading yourself your heart's not in it because you don't know really what you're saying, do you? You don't know exactly what you're saying. So it's very important to know what you're saying in your in your prayers and your salah. Okay. That's very good. So now let's start at the beginning. And let's start by talking about the tafsir, the explanation and the meaning of the very first surah in the Quran, which is Surah Al-Fatiha. First of all, what does the name Fatiha mean? You think you know, what do you think it is? Opening, good, good. So Fatiha in Arabic, the word Fatiha or Fatih in Arabic is to open. So for example, I would say to you, Iftah al-Bab, open the door. Yeah, so the word Fatiha in Arabic means to open. So Fatiha is the opening, the opening surah, the first surah. And the beautiful thing about Surah Al-Fatiha is it's like a summary of the whole Quran. It's like Allah took the whole meaning of the Quran and just summarized it into this one small surah. How many ayahs? Seven. One, only one answer. Seven, definitely. No doubt. Seven ayat. Seven ayat of the Quran. And the whole meaning of the Quran is inside of it. Everything that's in the Quran is summarized in Surah Al-Fatiha. Now Surah Al-Fatiha is in the form of a dua. How do we know it's in the form of a dua? How do we know that it's a dua? What, what things are in Surah Al-Fatiha that we know that it's a dua? You're asking for something, so you're asking Allah for something. How else do you know that it's a dua? 
What comes at the end of Surah Fatiha? Ameen. Ameen. What does Ameen mean? What does Ameen mean? Ameen. What does Ameen mean? Ameen. What does it mean? It means accept, O Allah. I mean, accept my dua. That's what it means. Accept. Stajib. Accept my dua. Answer my dua. That's what it means. Ameen. O Allah, answer my dua. Okay. So we're going to start at the very start. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. The scholars of the Quran. They, some of them said it's an ayah and some of them said it's not an ayah. They all agreed seven ayahs, but they, then they said some of them said it's an ayah, some of them said it's not an ayah. Because the number, the end changes, then they said the last two they put together. The ones who said Bismillah is the first one, then the last two they put together. And the one who said Bismillah is not the first one, then the last two they split apart. But anyway, it's definitely the beginning of the surah. If it's not an ayah, then it's an introduction to the surah. So it's either an ayah or it's a. It's definitely no. It's definitely seven. Trust me. There's a hadith. It's seven. It's seven. It's seven. It's seven. And it's even actually mentioned in the Quran also. Seven ayat that are repeated again and again. But Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim is either an ayah. Or it's either the introduction to the surah. Okay, what does it mean? Do you know any of those words? Because we're just going to ask you straight away. I would love to ask everyone who's watching. But since we don't, we're not allowed, what, what would you say? What Do you know any of those words? Okay, so you're saying Bismillah means in the name of Allah. Okay, so can you break down the words for me? What, what means what? So, so go on, what does each one mean? Well, how do you say name in Arabic? What's the Arabic word for name? Ism. So the bit in Bismillah, the ism, ism in Bismillah means name. Okay? And Allah, Bismillah, yeah? You hear the word Allah in there? Bismillah, the word Allah, that means Allah. So Ismillah means Allah's name okay you with me so far bismillah the ismillah bit that means allah's name so what does the bit mean in like inside no by so not in Okay, you're very close. Here, what we say with the bit is, it, it, what it really means is, it means something like with, or in, or by, because in Arabic, these small words are quite similar. But what we need is, what are we, what are we trying to say? What we're trying to say is, أَسْتَعِينُ بِكَ يَا I ask for your help. So, Obviously, the I ask for is not mentioned, but that's what is, that's the meaning of the bat, yeah? 
is that I'm seeking the help of. So we sometimes say in the name of Allah, with the name of Allah. But what it really means to start with is I'm asking for your help. I'm asking for help by mentioning the name of Allah. I'm asking for Allah's help by mentioning the name of Allah. And we know that because when you say Bismillah, it's all the time when you want help from Allah to start something. Like you know when you're going to eat, you say Bismillah, you go outside, you say Bismillah, you come in, you say Bismillah. So you're actually asking Allah to help you. What are you asking Allah's help for? Because it's not mentioned, right? It's just Bismillah, in the name of Allah. It's not mentioned, Oh Allah, I am asking your help to... It's understood, but it's not mentioned. What are you asking Allah's help for? Here you're asking Allah's help to read the Quran, to understand the Quran, to recite it properly, to act upon it, all of those things. Why do you think then it doesn't mention what you're asking for? To keep it general, right? So that it can be used for everything. Otherwise, you would have to each learn a different Arabic word for everything you want to do. You'd have to say, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Atlu. I'm reciting, Wa'afham, and I'm understanding, Akhra, and I'm reading, Wa'ahfad, and I'm memorizing, Wa'usalli, and I'm praying. But you'd have to learn a lot of different, all these different words, right? So it keeps it general. And also, it gives importance to Allah's name because nothing else goes along with it. It's just Allah's name. So it's like you're saying the most important thing is Allah's name, not what I'm going to do. Right? Does that make sense? So, you're asking for Allah's help by mentioning Allah's name or names here. Because the word name doesn't just mean one name, but... It means names in general, all of Allah's names. And there's three names that are mentioned in this. What are the three names? Yusuf, what are the three names that are mentioned in Bismillah rahman rahim Allah. Ar-Rahman. Ar-Rahim. Three names you mentioned. So why do you think you mentioned those three names? Out of all of the names of Allah. Why do you think? So those names you'll be answered okay that's good but wouldn't you be answered with all the names of Allah if you said Bismillah Al-Hayy Al-Qayyum Bismillah Al-Malik Al-Quddus Bismillah Al-Ahad Al-Samad So why if he's the most kind why don't we say Bismillah Al-Rahman Al-Rahim Al-Ra'uf You're asking for his mercy. That's one thing. Is that you're asking for Allah to be merciful to you. You're asking Allah to have mercy. What does mercy mean? Not forgive. 
Would you not say that mercy, you would almost say it's to be kinder than you deserve? Like to give you more than what you deserve? Like that even though you might have done something that's wrong, but still Allah will overlook it and forgive it and will be kinder to you than even what you what you deserve. So you're asking Allah for even more than you're asking Allah for even more than what you really deserve. You're asking Allah for more. So you're asking Allah, and the name Allah is Allah's greatest name, most important name. And all of the other names of Allah go back to that. So we say Ar-Rahman is a name of Allah, and Ar-Rahim is a name of Allah, and Al-Malik is a name of Allah, and Al-Quddus is a name of Allah. And we don't say Al-Malik is a name of Ar-Rahman, right? All of the names of Allah, they go back to Allah. So we say Ar-Rahman is the name of Allah, Ar-Rahim is the name of Allah. So we always give the names, the names always go back to Allah. So it's Allah's most important name and Allah's greatest name. What does the name Allah mean? All of Allah's names are in there, but what if you are someone to say to you, what does it mean? Just give me a simple meaning of what does it mean the name Allah, God. Okay, but God is maybe Al-Ilah. But what is Allah? Okay, uh, the name Allah, the name Allah, it means the one who is every attribute of God, he has every, everything that makes him deserving of worship. So the only one that deserves to be worshipped, that's a good way of putting it, the only one that deserves to be worshipped. Why is Allah the only one that deserves to be worshipped? Let's just say if someone came to you and said, you know, you, you, they said I, they worship a, the stars, right? They worship the stars or they worship the sun. And you said, you shouldn't worship the sun, you should worship Allah. And they said, why should I worship Allah alone? Doesn't the sun keep me warm all day? The sun didn't create you. Yeah, but it keeps you warm all day. Couldn't live without the sun. Very good, that's a good answer. It doesn't deserve to be worshipped because Allah created the sun and the sun didn't create anything. And Allah gave the sun its heat and its light and yeah, and Allah created everything and it didn't create anything. So what you would say is it doesn't have any of the attributes of God. Like it doesn't have any of the names of God. It doesn't, it doesn't do what God does. It doesn't answer your dua, it doesn't create, it doesn't make you die, it doesn't make you live, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything except what Allah told it to do. So it doesn't have any of the attributes or any of the names or any of the signs of God, right? So that's really what the word Allah means is the only one who has uluhiyya, has the things that make him deserving of worship. The only one that has the things that make him deserving of worship. That's what the word 
Allah, Allah means. Okay, if that's the word Allah, what about the word Ar-Rahman? What does Rahman mean? Mercy. So Ar-Rahman is the most merciful. Is that? Most merciful. The most merciful. So is there anyone more merciful than Allah? What about your mom and dad? No? Allah is more merciful even than your mom and dad. The Prophet one day, he saw a woman, she, she lost her child, she was looking for her child. Could you imagine if your mom lost you? You specifically. I imagine all the time, but no. Could you imagine if your mom lost you? What would, how would your mom be running around? Would she not be running around? Yeah? And she, this lady, she lost her child, she was looking everywhere. Every time she saw anyone's child, she picked the child up, she gave him a hug. The Prophet said, do you see that woman over there? The Sahaba said, yeah. He said, do you think she would take her child and throw him in the fire? They said, no, O Messenger of Allah, she will never do that. As long as she is able to keep her child safe, she would never put her child in the fire. He said, Allah is more merciful to you than she is to her child. Allah has more mercy to you than she has to her child. Allah is the most merciful. Allah's mercy, the effects of all the mercy of Allah was shared into a hundred. How many do you think were sent down out of a hundred? How many were sent down to this earth? All the mercy in the world. You think 60? What do you think? One. Out of a hundred. All the mercy you see on this world is just one out of one hundred. Where's the ninety-nine then? They're saved for the Muslims on the Day of Judgment. Saved for the Muslims after they die. Allah saved ninety-nine types of His mercy for the Muslims when they die. And only one he gave on this world. And all the mercy you see, even when you see the animal, when it lifts up it, who, its hooves so it doesn't hurt the baby. When you see an animal, and it, when the baby is underneath it and it doesn't want to hurt, it lifts up its hooves. That's all the effects of one out of a hundred of Allah's mercy. So Allah is Ar-Rahman. And Allah is Ar-Rahim. And the meaning of Ar-Rahim also comes from Rahmah. And the meaning is that Allah gives that mercy to whoever He wants. Does He give it to everyone equally? What do you think? Does it go to everyone the same? No. Because definitely Allah gives it to whoever He wants, whenever He wants. And for example, if you look at Muslims, Allah has given us more mercy. Because Allah has given us the mercy, special mercy, which is Islam, yeah? And if Allah gave you more knowledge about Islam, that's more mercy. And the mercy that Allah gave to the prophets was more than the mercy he gave to everybody else. So the mercy of Allah is not the same. So Allah gives it to whoever he wants. And that's really why you mentioned the name Ar-Rahim. Because you're asking Allah that you give, you've got a choice, or Allah, you do whatever you want. Nobody can force you to do anything. But I'm asking you, to give me some of that special mercy that you only give to some people. You don't give to everybody. Ar-Rahman, you give it, you know, it's for everybody. Ar-Rahim, you give it 
to special people. So I'm asking you for the mercy generally and I'm asking you specially for your special mercy that you only give to the special people. And I'm asking you for that so that I can read the Quran, memorize the Quran, understand the Quran, think about the Quran and act, about, act upon the Quran. So that's Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. And we just do one more ayah and then we'll continue next week, inshallah, because the time is less. So we say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Alhamd. Okay, first of all, my simple question is any of these words that you know, Alhamdulillahi, I want to start with you. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Any of those words that you know? Any one of them. Alhamd or Lillahi or Rabb or Alameen. Do you know any of those words? Sorry? Rabb. What does Rabb mean? It's one of Allah's names. Very good. Excellent. Rabb is one of Allah's names. It means the Lord. The Lord. Okay, good. We're going to come to that. Any words you knew from that? Alhamd is praise, okay. Rabb is Lord. Okay, universe, not bad. Alameen is, Alameen is the plural of Alam. Alam is a world. So let's start with the Alam. What different worlds are there? I'm not talking about Earth and Mars and Pluto. I'm talking about the on Earth. We say the world of dot dot dot. The world of dot dot dot. The world of. So we've got the world of the animals, for example. Good. The world of the animals. What other worlds are there? The world of human beings. Good. The world of the jinn. Who are the jinn? The world of the angels, very good. But who are the jinn? You have to give me. A, you said the word now. You said the word jinn. Now you have to tell me who are the jinn. They're invisible. Good. Some of them can fly. Good. What are they? Invisible what? Messages, invisible telephone signals, invisible what? People kind of. So would you say they're a creation of Allah? Okay. Who have intelligence and free will, which means they, they're not like you know, robots or plants or something. They have intelligence and they have a free choice about whether to be good or whether to be bad. And they're invisible. We can't see them. How does that make them different from the angels then? Because the angels are a creation of Allah. They also have intelligence. But what don't the angels have? Angels don't have free will. That's the ayah. That's the ayah. Abu Rahman. Ya ayuhalladheena amanu ku anfusakum wa ahlikum nara. Huh? Huh? 
They don't disobey Allah with what he told them and they do exactly what they're told. So the angels are different like that. Also the creation, what were angels made of? Light. And what are the jinn made of? Smokeless fire. And what are people made of? Originally, clay. Yeah, clay, turab, dust, and, and water, and clay. Originally. And then each creation went their own, went their own way. Okay. So the world of the jinn, the world of the angels, the world of <clears throat> people, the world of the animals, and many other things. <clears throat> Allah is the Rabb of all of those worlds. That's why one of those worlds is called Alam. And all of them together are called Alameen. And Allah is Rabbul Alameen, the Lord of all of those worlds. Yes, they do. <coughs> all the animals worship Allah. All the animals worship Allah. Because Allah said, uh, Allah said about them وَلَكِنْ لَا تَفْقَهُ تَسْبِيحَهُمْ They all say Subhanallah but you don't understand when they say Subhanallah <coughs> Allah knows best I don't know the answer because we don't understand what the animals say but yes even those animals in their own way they're haram because they're dangerous for us or they're you know bad for us but Allah made them for a reason all of them know that Allah is their Lord and all of them praise Allah in their own way. But I don't know about some of the animals that the Prophet didn't like. Like the scorpion, he said, Allah cursed the scorpion. I don't know whether it's included in the animals or not. But Allah mentioned every one of them has its own way of praising Allah. And the angels praise Allah, the angels worship Allah. The Prophet said something amazing about the angels. You know what he said? He said the heavens are creaking. The sky is creaking. And it deserves to creak. Why did he say the sky is creaking? You know what creaking is, right? Like it's, make, it's, like it's making a noise that it's about to break. Like when too much weight is on it and it's... He said there's not a space even the size of a hand except there's an angel in it that is is uh, bowing or is praying, uh, making sajda to Allah. There's a Kaaba above the Kaaba. Do you know what it's called? <coughs> it's in Surah Al-Turiyah. Did you do Surah Al-Turiyah? Al-Bayt Al-Ma'mur It's called Al-Bayt Al-Ma'mur It's above the Kaaba 70,000 angels Go around it every day And none of them ever come back again Think of that Since Allah created the heavens 70,000 Every day go around Al-Bayt Al-Ma'mur And they never ever ever Come back again And just and that's why Allah said, وَمَا يَعْلَمُ جُنُودَ رَبِّكَ إِلَّهُ Nobody knows the army of Allah except Him. How big is that? How many are the angels? Yeah? So Allah is رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ The Lord of all of those words. What does the word Rabb mean? Lord. And what do you understand from that word? Lord. Lord. 
anything you understand. It doesn't have to be about Allah as such, but what just what you understand from that word Lord. Someone said Lord of the manor or Lord of the like king. Good. That's a very that's completely correct. The word Lord comes meaning king. True. What else? What about the one in charge? Like someone in charge, wouldn't you say the word Lord is someone who is in charge? So it comes meaning king, it comes meaning someone in charge. What else? What would you expect people do towards Lord? Not just respect, more than that. Obey, right? Yeah, obey. So those are the meanings that it comes with in Arabic. It's the one who is the king, the sovereign, the one who is in charge, and the one that everyone obeys, and the one who is in control of everything. That's what the word Rabb comes with. And that's what it means for Allah. But obviously for Allah, it's not the same like for, for people, right? We don't use the word Rabb or Lord for people, except in a sentence like Lord of the manor or Lord of the house or something. But we don't use the word Lord on its own except for Allah. Because Allah is the one who is the true king in charge of everything and everyone and in control of everyone. And Allah is the one who creates everything. And Allah is the one who makes people live and makes people die. And Allah is the one that nothing happens on the heavens or the earth without his permission. And everything obeys the command of Allah. So Allah is a Rabb. And in fact, all the things that Allah does come back to the name a Rabb. So tell me some things Allah does. Tell me some things Allah does. Think about what you're going to say, but be sensible. But say something Allah does. For example, I'll give you one. Allah causes people to die. Nobody dies unless Allah has decreed for them to die. Tell me something that Allah does. Allah controls everything. Good. Allah creates. Everything is Allah's creation. Allah shows mercy. He said, Ar-Rahman, Rahim. Yeah. Allah provides. Allah gives us our all our risk, our money, our food, our everything. But then someone might say, but my mom and dad give me food. They're just the way that Allah gives it to you. They're just the way that Allah gives it to you. But it's all from Allah. It's all from Allah. So all of those things that Allah does, and there's many more, we just covered just a few examples, all of those are found within the name Ar-Rabb. And from the meaning of the word Rabb is the one who looks after you as you grow up. That's from the meaning of the word Rabb. The one who looks after you and takes care of you and teaches you. How do we know that Allah teaches us? How, have we got an ayah? Can you think of an ayah in the Quran that says that Allah teaches us? You have to tell me this one. Iqra bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq. خَلَقَ الْإِنسَانَ مِنْ عَلَقِ اقْرَأْ وَرَبُّكَ الْأَكْرَمُ الَّذِي عَلَّمَ بِالْقَلَمُ عَلَّمَ الْإِنسَانَ مَا لَمْ يَعْلَمُ 
The one who taught with the pen, he taught mankind what they never used to know. So Allah teaches us, and that's the meaning of, that's another meaning of Rabb. And Allah, as we grow up, because when you were born, did you know anything? Didn't know anything. You came out a little baby, you didn't know anything at all, anything. And look at you now. You're giving answers about Surah Fatiha and Islam, and I'm, you know, and I know how to pray. Who taught you all of those things? Allah taught you. Yes, your mom and dad and your teachers, they, they, Allah was the one, Allah made them the ones that taught you and helped you. But all of it came from Allah because they didn't know anything when they were born. Who taught them? It all came from Allah. So Allah looks after you as you grow up. And Allah looks after you in special way as well, like in a general way, in a special way. Generally, Allah looks after everyone because if Allah didn't look after you, you wouldn't be able to live. But in a special way, how does Allah look after people in a special way? Islam. Allah showing you Islam and letting you learn more and more about Islam and your Iman goes up and you become a better Muslim. That's how Allah looks after you in a special way. And that's the meaning of the word Rabb as well. So we've just got to cover a bit more about the about the ayah alhamdu is praise all praise the al here means all types the al here means all types all types of hamd so what is hamd what is praise can you explain what does it mean praise generally what does it mean praise if i say okay compliment good that's not a bad word compliment and to say something good about someone to say something good about who someone is or what someone does yeah to say something good about who someone is or what someone does so to say something good about Allah's about who Allah is like his names Allah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim that's all hamd right praising Allah and praising Allah for what he does praising Allah because he is Ar-Rabb he is Rabbul Alameen the Lord of all of the worlds. So what's the difference between praise and... Do you know what the word gratitude means? Or thanks? Then, like thanks. What's the difference between praise and thanks? Thanks is a specific type of praise. Okay. Yeah, it's good. It's good in a way. Yeah, you're right. In a way. Thanks is a thank you, okay? But how do you show Allah that you're grateful? So hamd is something you say, right? Hamd is something that you, you say. But you can show Allah that you're grateful by how you act and by what you, what you think in your heart as well. So hamd is more specific in that way because you're actually expressing it on your on your tongue the other thing is the word grateful or thankful it usually comes when Allah has given you something when does hand come all the time what's your proof 
What's the dua? Alhamdulillahi ala kulli hal. Alhamdulillahi ala kulli hal. We praise Allah in every situation. So that's the two main differences I want you to learn. Hamd, you praise Allah in every situation, not just when something good happens, but being grateful or thankful is usually when something good happens to you. And you show you're thankful by your actions and by your heart and by your tongue. But hamd is something that you say when you praise Allah. Alhamdulillah. And the lam here, lillah, it means for Allah alone. Alhamdulillah. Li here means alone for. Alhamdulillah. All praise lillah is for Allah alone. Rabbil Alameen and Allah is the Lord of all of the worlds. So we've learned two parts of Surah Al-Fatiha. The introduction, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. And the first ayah, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Insha'Allah, we will continue next week. On from there. And we're going to, Insha'Allah, try to understand more about the Surah next week. Do you have any questions? Yes. Very, that's a beautiful question. How was the Quran brought out until it became in the masjid with us here today? That's very, very good. Now, that needs a full lecture to give you lots of information, but I'm just going to give you a little bit, like a little bit of an answer. So first of all, Allah spoke the Quran. And the Quran was brought by Jibreel. And it was brought to the lowest heaven. I think that's... That is the, the heaven which is above us, right? And that was on which day? On which night? Inna anzalnahu fi Laylatul Qadr On Laylatul Qadr In Ramadan And from there It was given to the Prophet Sallallahu In small parts It wasn't given in one go it wasn't given like the whole Qur'an didn't come in one go. It was given to him in small parts. And Allah made it so it was easy for him to remember. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, سَنُقَرِئُكَ فَلَا تَنْسَى We are going to have the Qur'an that is going to be read to you and you won't forget it. The Qur'an is going to be put in your heart and you won't forget it. So the Prophet Eventually, by the end of his life, he had the whole Qur'an. The first ayah of the Qur'an was Iqra' and the last ayah to be revealed in the Qur'an was What was the last ayah to be revealed in the Qur'an? وَاتَّقُوا يَوْمًا تُرْجَعُونَ فِيهِ إِلَى اللَّهِ ثُمَّ تُوَفَّى كُلُّ نَفْسٍ ثُمَّ تُوَفَّى كُلُّ نَفْسٍ مَا كَسَبَتْ وَهُمْ لَا يُظْرَمُونَ Surah Al-Baqarah, right? The end of Surah Al-Baqarah. This was the last ayah. Or around the last ayah. This Quran, the Prophet ﷺ, in the year before he died, 
he revised it twice with Jibreel. He went over it again, beginning to end with Jibreel twice. The companions of the Prophet ﷺ, they were learning from him and some of them learnt it so well that he recommended people to learn from them. For example, Ibn Mas'ud. He said, whoever wants to read the Qur'an like it was revealed, let him read like Ibn Ummi and like Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and Ali ibn Abi Talib, Uthman ibn Affan and many, many, many from the many, many, many of the Zayd ibn Thabit many, many of the Sahaba who were from the reciters of the Qur'an and they learned the whole Qur'an from the Prophet and they all came together in the time of Uthman and they all agreed on the uh, what the Prophet had taught them because by then people thought well maybe what, it, what will happen when these people die because okay before the Prophet died he gave it to them and they all learnt it and there were many many who learnt it so now what will happen if they die so they all came together and they made sure that the Quran that was written down was written down exactly like the Prophet told them. And anything where they differed, they had to come together as a big group and agree. What's the right? Okay, we've got it all together. It's exactly right. All of us agree. These are all the people the Prophet specifically said that Ubay ibn Ka'ab and so on, that you are, you know, you're the best reciter, you're the reciter, you're the reciter. And they all came together and they all agreed. And then that copy of the Quran was used to send out to make other copies and in those days there was no printing so people used to copy by hand but what Uthman did was very clever he didn't want people to copy from a copy from a copy from a, because people make mistakes so what he did is he had one official copy sent to every city and anyone in the city can go and take the copy that's been checked by the Sahaba all the Sahaba and they can take it in their city and they can make a copy and as well as the copies all these people are there who've memorized so anytime a copy is made until today even when it comes out of the printing press from the computer they don't leave it like that they give it to someone who memorized the Quran five six people who all memorized the Quran they all read it look for any mistakes yeah and then after the printing press and so on so still the Quran is written by hand it's not printed it's written by hand and that's copied and it's made into printed pages and it's printed out and every time they print it they that batch that they print they give it to a committee of people who memorize yeah yeah even there are, there are original copies yeah there are very old copies there are very very old copies very old copies in museums and they give like that out to the to a, a big group of people who all memorize the Quran and they all read it and check it and make sure it's exactly the same. What really kept the Quran safe? Was it writing or was it memorizing? It was memorizing, right? It was the fact that all those people memorized the Quran. So even if anyone ever one day made a mistake in the writing, everybody would know because everybody memorized. But at the same time, they also wrote it down in the time of the Prophet as well. So they had it written and memorized and checked and double-checked. And in the time of Uthman, they all came together like a big group and they all agreed 
that this is exactly how it should be. And the Quran has different ways of reading it, and all of those are inside of the Mus'haf of Islam, generally speaking. All of that is the All of them. The Quran came down in all of those different, uh, with all of those different ways. Yeah. All of the different, the Prophet recited all of them. And the Quran came with seven different uh, ahruf. Sometimes you just say like it means like seven different languages of the Arabs. The Arabs had their own tribes, had their own words they used. So all of the different words from the different tribes, the Quran came with all of it. So it used words from Quraysh, words from Tamim, words from different tribes, from the different people among the Arabs, all of their languages found in the Quran. But they all spoke Arabic, but they spoke their own, they had their own Arabic that was for them, and the Quran had, has all of it. And then the Quran has different ways of reciting it, many different ways of reciting it. And the Prophet recited all of them. But all of them match what Uthman and those companions, what they put together, they're not different from it. They match the same what, what Uthman and those companions put together. Like they just, it's got a different style, different different words, different pronunciation and so on. Does that, does that make sense to you, how the Quran came to be in the, in the masjid? Okay. Any more questions? That's what Allah made easy for me to mention Allah's best. Wassalatu wassalamu ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi.